0: And welcome. You're listening to the Green Majority here on C I T nine. Yeah, let me try that again. C I T eighty nine point five FM. Our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners, as well as uh, Steve in space, no last name, just Steve. Uh, Stefan, I am playing. I'm sitting in the tech slash sarcasm uh, seat today, and you are in charge. Uh, So I have my sarcasm ready to go, but you're going to have to you're going to have to inform the listeners as to what we're talking about today. That seems to make sense.
1: Uh, Yeah. So. We're doing something different today, folks. We are not going to tell you that the world is going to end, uh, which I know is a, a rarity for this show. Uh, we're all about that.
0: To be clear, it still is. We're just not going to tell you about it. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, the insect Armageddon is happening. Everyone look it up. Uh, no. Um, that's no, my- no, no. The
2: insects are, are, are dying.
1: That's the, 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 yes, exactly. Yes. They're all gone. They're all gone. Um, with that one moment of negativity, we are now going to transition to, to only solutions-focused thinking, um, and specifically- you know, we've spent a bunch of time on the show talking about how uh, not—it's it, not just enough to say transform our energy grid um, and some of the sort of more obvious and large-scale transitions that have to happen. Uh, you know, yes, we do need transition to transition to fully renewable energy. Uh, yes, we do need to find all these solutions for these other issues. Um, but also, we have to ch- to do that in some ways. We're going to fundamentally change how we live. And so this show is about, uh, we're going to profile uh, six different organizations, uh, all of them will be joining us in studio, we're very excited. Uh, all of them who are helping, helping us get there, helping us get to a point where we understand our impact and then can make change. And, and of course that first point is important, understanding. Uh, and so from that front we are joined uh, for this first segment uh, with Katie Harper from Project Neutral, thank you so much.
2: Delighted to be here.
1: Um, and, and so for those of you who don't know what project neutral is, let's start there. Just a quick, succinct, uh, explanation. What does project neutral do?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, project neutral is, uh, an online tool. There's a free, we have a free carbon calculator, uh, that you can find at www.projectneutral.org. Um, and the real, the, the, the gist of it is that you can measure your impact in about five minutes. Uh, you sign up. I, I answer a few quick questions about uh, about your lifestyle, your home, your energy, uh, how you move around in the world, the food you eat. From there, we, build a, a, we use a model to build a quick snapshot of what your expected carbon footprint is. And you can start to see how you compare to similar households and where your biggest slices of impact are. And the point of that, of course, is to say, oh, I can make a change. I, there's something I can do about this. Um, for the people who are the carbon nerds among us, <laughs> and I think that there are a number in this audience. Uh, uh, if we don't have any
1: carbon nerds listening to us, we are doing. A, yeah. we're not doing our job. <laughs> totally. We love
2: you, carbon nerds. Yeah. Um, I, I count myself among them, although, although I know there's people who are far more advanced uh, than I am. <laughs> but... Um, For the people who want to do a deep dive, then there are deep dive modules. So you can go back and say, uh, "Okay, enter my electricity bill, my natural gas bill, get into the details of of your vehicle and so on. So um, it. It, uh, it, there's you can engage with it at multiple scales, but at the, the gist of it, it's designed to give people an understanding of where they're starting from, help them see the opportunities, um, and, then, and then get started on the journey. Amazing.
1: Um, yeah, and so that's actually a good place to start, which is sort of this question of, you know, you, you, there's an there's a axiom that you can't change what you don't measure. Right, that you can't, that you, that you have, that without the, without any ability to understand where you are, it's very hard to then track and, and change at all. Um, and so, I'm curious to sort of to understand the the philosophy behind your work. I know there's a fair amount of the sort of idea of you know why it's so valuable to allow people to sort of see themselves within this with carbon world.
2: Absolutely, and because most people, including people who are very knowledgeable about um, climate impacts and 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 the issues writ large. Lots of people are still sort of not really clear on what their personal impacts are. Um, and uh, and and yeah, I think it was Peter Drucker that said you can't manage what you don't measure, and that's been repeated millions of times. Um, but it's true. It's really about arming people with uh, with this information. We think of the the mechanisms of action, kind of the 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 um, behind the veil or, or you know behind the curtain of, of the behavioral mechanic mechanics of, of how this actually works is sort of twofold. One is we're giving people insights. Um, so taking something that was largely abstract, unknown, and and putting real concrete numbers in front of them. Okay, your carbon footprint is 10 tons. You know, your household carbon footprint is 20 tons, whatever. Um, uh, and then it's the social benchmarking piece because 20 tons, 10 tons to most of us, what the heck does that mean, right? We, there's no context for it. So when we... Um, but if you compare it to similar households or the best-performing households, it's like, oh, okay, this is how I'm doing relative to that. And and social benchmarking is a, a well-tested uh, process to 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 help people sort of, s- well, really give them the context of where they're starting from and create that motivation, that kind of spark of, oh, okay, maybe I should be doing something about this. Maybe one of the things that's also funny to mention is that a lot of people are nervous mm. um, Uh, I was at a workshop. I was giving a workshop yesterday and people were saying, I'm not sure. And like literally every every time I do this, people say, I don't know if I want to know this. Right. And that's not surprising because a lot of us, you know, most most Canadians understand um, that the climate crisis is real and we need to do something about it and most of us don't necessarily know what we're supposed to do but we have this feeling i'm probably not doing enough there's probably things i could uh, could be doing so we part of the goal of this is to is to take away it's, almost, it's maybe too much to say is take away the stigma but help people see um, don't don't fear this just right. face it face face what you're uh, um, what your what your impact is and from there you can start reducing it
1: yeah when we talk often about sort of how our economic system does a, a lot of a, of external, externalizing right a lot of sort of you don't see the harm you're creating because it's somewhere else right. uh, and there's certainly power in sort of you know it's this isn't changing that in, influence but it's it's, it's it's forcing you to look at it in a way um, and so yeah, Sam wants to jump in sorry I just
0: wanted to add what Katie said really quickly so we were talking a couple of weeks ago uh, about uh, with our journalist friend about um the cat uh, and my comment was essentially that the problem was is that they talk about climate change all the time and they always they mention a billions dollar cost or something mm. like that only when they're talking about the money we're gonna have to spend to stop something but the other thing they mentioned that I didn't say at that time which now is the time to insert is what they do do is they say you know uh, this program will cost us 10 billion dollars but it's going to take out 300 trillion you know whatever tons of climate uh, of climate gases well they don't know what the second number does but they sure know what the first number is right, right. so it's it creates it adds to this problem where even when journalists are trying to do their job and say the cost benefit people only know what one of those two numbers means
2: well and also the scale of those things is just incomprehensible for most of us it's 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 too it's too much so it, you know it, there's 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 lots of um, really good research happening on on climate communications and and ways that you can engage with people in this and we know that throwing big numbers at people is like eh, sorry I'm not like you've just lost me there um, we know telling stories is is really valuable and but but bringing it down to a scale that is relatable to people and their own experiences um, that's really important the other thing that, that we think is really important is showing people you're already taking climate action so our ultimate goal is talk is is to normalize this and just make uh help create this societal shift or help support the shift towards low carbon living as just, Hey, this is of course the way we do things. Um, you know, of course when it's, when it's a uh, nice, you know, if I've got a trip under five kilometers, of course I'm going to ride my bike cause it's more fun. Also good for the climate. You know, right. of course I'm, I'm cutting down on meat and cheese cause my doctor told me it was good for my heart. Also good for the climate, you know, these, these sort of things. So we want to, we want to remind people a lot of these actions are, um, you're already doing them we just need to scale them. We need to go more.
1: Right. And and it's interesting about giving someone a a number that they can then see does give them that power of like, oh, so if if I can personally, you know, I'm personally contributing, say, you know, one ton of carbon every, you know, every week or whatever it would be. Um, And then you see one of these scales, these projects, you can actually be like, oh, this would be like 10,000 of me. You know, like it it does actually give, it gives you a better reference if you actually understand what your carbon is to what these larger projects would be.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, I actually went, we're not, we don't maybe do that. It would be, that would be neat to be able to to sort of scale it up, because I, I think that mental math for folks is still oh, yeah. a jump, but oh, for that sure. would be cool for us to uh, Yeah,
1: I, I more just mean, like, from the standpoint of uh, even understanding what one ton of carbon means as an individual person would help, you know, yeah. at least you understand the sort of scale of what you're dealing with.
2: The other, the other thing that scale is people... Um, uh, people get focused on the on we all get focused on the most salient things the things are that are floating around in in you know the culture at the moment um those are not necessarily the highest impact activities right. so it's also important to say okay uh, what is the relative importance of your home energy choices versus your transportation choices versus your food choices, etc. Um, and most of us really don't have a very clear sense of that. And so what our tool does is it shows like little bar graphs at the, and it's like, oh, choose the biggest bar. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to start. Um, it also empowers people who don't, can't control some things to say there's other things that you can do. So if you, I was talking to someone yesterday who lives in a rural community, um, it's really hard. I mean, there's no transit options there right. and it's really hard for them to to not um, uh, drive their car. Great. I mean, there's things you can do, carpool and, and inflate your tires and get a more efficient car and all of that is is really, they should be thinking about. But- they still have to drive. So what else can they do? Let's look to home energy. Let's look to, to food and waste, etc. Yeah, and I want to I get get to that
1: point because I think that's an important uh, sort of way to break, uh, an important breakdown that you that you do that I think is useful to sort of carry forward, especially within this conversation that we'll be going into these all these other ventures that we're coming on in the show, which is, um, which is, when we talk about shifting culture, uh, the question is what. Uh, what what cultures are we shifting? What are we mm-hmm. doing differently, right? And, and I think you, are, you you sort of break it down to think it's five different areas. That to me, if you sort of if you do understand your life in those five areas, you actually get a pretty good sense of what a shifting culture would look like. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I'm curious, w- w- what are those five areas?
2: So we uh, we ask you questions that help uh, understand the the climate impacts of your home energy, um, your daily transportation, your air travel, your food consumption, and the waste you produce. Mm.
1: And so, and that's, that's, that's interesting. Is there a reason? Um the, the, those are like those quickly. Like you, that's you got housing. <laughs> you have, so you have shelter. You have food, um, and then you have and then is, I guess it was waste. How you get at sort of the fashion choices, or is that sort of like a future uh, look?
2: Yeah, that's, I was just about to say there's there, uh, that's not there are elements that we don't capture. Mm. Um, a couple that were uh, that that I think would be really interesting. Um, the the fashion. Our friends at Fashion Take Action have done a great job, uh, uh, really bringing to light some of the uh, the impacts of that and, and just consumerism in general um and uh, and the other thing is where you put your money. Um, that's not captured in in uh, in our model right now. And if anyone wants to invest and help us build uh, build those new <laughs> modules that we'd be thrilled to
1: well, there you go yeah because it's because it is interesting right because when you do get those you know you you do have these moments of of, of even when you get to this scent you, you they're still a little bit more externalized that yeah. so we're always trying to get into this sort of this larger understanding yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but what's but what's also you start with those five because they're sort of the ones that are that are a the biggest impacts like I we say this a lot on this show which is that if you look at the city Toronto numbers um, at least in an urban setting, the the basically almost all of our emissions is heating, waste, and transportation.
2: Yeah, but in the city of Toronto, it's like forty-eight percent comes from uh, from buildings, thirty-three percent, well a third is from transportation, and then nineteen percent is from is from waste. So it's like, and and, and of those, the residential slice, like the, the the part that you and I are directly able to control, is you know it, it's significant. I don't remember numbers off the top of my head, but the point is individual and and um, and households do have a significant impact particularly when we're looking at the municipal GHG scale. and so um, while I absolutely want to be clear that this is you know pinning this all on individuals making change is not um, it's not sufficient. it's not uh, it's not the right thing to do there's we need whole scale change on in, in all of the different dimensions. That said, Individuals and households do make a big difference and uh, and and can uh, um, Really advance climate solutions and there's a and there's a power to feeling involved
1: yeah. Right. there's a there's a power, you know, especially in the world we live in right now It can feel incredibly powerless, you know, like yeah. you can feel like I can do all these things and then some government You know, will will do something else and it will basically wipe out all of the work that I've yeah. done Right and and, and, then-
2: and that's a and that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, too. So the the um, action Lead Their hope leads to action, and then ac- creating action leads more to hope. But the reverse is also true. Um, they, they, uh, there was a study out of Yale a few years ago that they surveyed 40,000 people. So pretty pretty de- decent sample size. Um, and they found that who were the ones, who were the folks who were more likely to take action? And this was political action and calling mm-hmm. their leaders and so on. And it was people who believed they could make a difference. Right. So um, that's, you know, your whole show is really show about how do we empower people to say, I can do something. Um, the c- climate grief is real, climate feeling overwhelmed by the scale of it and feeling small and unable to make a difference. Not only is it, um, it's unempowering, but it actually just reinforces this terrible cycle that we can be on because people get stuck, oh, there's nothing I can do, or I don't see people around me taking action. And so it's so important to to say, like, show how people um, do make a difference. The um, the one thing that's, that's kind of neat about that too is how you roll it up together. So um, one person making a difference, sure. But what happens when you bring bring it all together? So what we love is when people use the Project Neutral tool in their groups. So you can use it in your school, in your workplace, in your community group, um, you can basically you tell us we're doing this as part of a group, and we can generate a, a report that says here's the number of people who uh, were participating. Here's the number with the average footprint. Here's the top actions that people were taking, and uh, and this is a great uh, it's just a great way to sort of build momentum um, and say this is this is our collective footprint and collectively wow it's kind of big and collectively we can make a difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think that's it's a it's, a, it's a, the ability to convince people that they can make a change is tough, um, yeah. especially in the world we live in right now, uh, which is why a very quick shout out to our friends at PowerShift, who are up, uh, yeah. our, our activist friends at PowerShift up at uh, in Ottawa right now. Um, there is uh, there is happening right now. Um, and so uh, this kind of, like, I, I feel like it's, we, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, depressing stuff, but so many good things are happening just today, uh, yeah. you know, that people are coming together and actually working on this.
2: And yesterday and the day before, um, hundreds of students and educators Gathered for the Ontario Eco Schools Conference, and and um, that was a really inspiring uh, thing to see all these. You know, Power Shift is 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 the older young people and and these are the younger young people and they're and they are leading change and and yeah they're they're really influencing the culture it's awesome yeah
1: um and so to to sort of close out this interview uh i want to sort of give you a chance to sort of give a let everyone know how they can get uh in in how they can get to this app um how they can use it um and and any other way they can engage with you in the future at work at project neutral does
2: absolutely thank you um so projectneutral.org. Um, log on there, you create a quick account, and then you will go right into the, uh, the getting started survey, the getting started module that will give you that's your five minute version. From there, you can do the deep dive modules to get a more refined picture of your carbon footprint. But that's really arming you with the tool. What you do with it next is the most exciting thing. Um, we encourage people to share. We didn't talk a lot about it today. But the social modeling piece, the, the 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 idea of people having these conversations, they say one of the most important things you can do about climate is talk about it because there's this self-silencing that happens. There's this sense of, of uh, no one else is doing anything, shattering that myth that other people care. It's not true. People care, but we got to talk about it to, to realize that. So share your results on social. Um, and then the most exciting thing is when people use it together with groups. So if you have a, excuse me, if you have a community group, if you want to use it as an icebreaker for your event or a context setter before you start doing something about, like a workshop on climate change, um, to help people get grounded. If you want to build contests around how many people are using it in your school or your through lunch and learns and stuff at work, um, all of that is possible, and you can just reach out to us at hello at projectneutral.org.
1: Amazing! Thank you so much. Thank so you. we will we will tune in. Uh, we will come back actually in after the short music break uh, with two of two of the five ventures we'll be talking to today, uh, who will help. Hopefully, you, you'll do this. You'll, you'll go on. You'll 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 spend the five minutes uh, getting to find out your impact, and then you will have solutions of ways you can take action yeah. immediately uh, and support these other amazing organizations. That we'll be getting to shortly. Uh, so thank you so much, Katie and uh, Sarah What are we listening to?
0: Well, we're going to be listening to Arkell's uh, Relentless, but really quick, I'm going to take this opportunity to sneak in just a quick comment. So I was, uh, I am invited to CKUW, which is one of our syndicates uh, every year to help with their fundraising drive. So A, good luck to them. I I hope they did very well. And B, if you are another radio station who would like us to actually help you with your fundraising drive, I actually really like doing that. And if I'm not free, there's a chance that Stefan would do it. Uh, So email us. But without further ado, this is Arkell's with Relentless. Just a kid from the neighborhood, we're our kids from a neighborhood.
3: Take me back to six. I fall asleep with the
4: radio The green majority is entirely listener-supported. Our goal
1: to reach minimum solvency is to raise $300 a month. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com for as little as $1. And welcome back to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps one of our wonderful radio syndicates, uh, which they understood a great shout out for one of them. Uh, if you want to get mentioned to keep talking to us. We like hearing from everyone who uh, who plays our show, uh, especially if you're Steve in space. Um, our podcast version is found on greenmajority.ca, uh, and so we keep telling ourselves, uh, we're getting funny looks from our guests, um, that someone could be listening to us in space. Um, it's a, it's this a... This is, in a,
0: fact, a running gag. Yes.
1: To we to have consistently it. hoped that someone will listen to us in space at some point. So if you are, please let us know, because it would probably make my life. Um, There's at
0: least 14 people on the International Space Station, and one of them has to have a radio, Stephen.
1: Exactly. Or even a po- the internet. They have to have the internet. That's, like, I feel like the podcast version is the best option if I was in space. I'm just saying. But, you know, they can, they, can, they can tune in any way they like. Um, but to carry on uh, our segment here, we are now jumping into uh, our sort of back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back ventures. That's five ventures in the next 40-ish minutes, um, all of whom are, particip- are, are part of uh, the sort of larger solution towards changing our culture uh, to a more sustainable world. Uh, is the way I'm going to frame that. Um, but there's sort of a reason why these particular five ventures are here. So first, I'm going to throw to Peggy Sue Deven, uh, who is the program manager at Climate Ventures, uh, to sort of explain who are these people we'll be talking to.
5: Oh, hi, uh, good morning, Stefan. Oh, and also welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. It really is exciting to get to share these stories uh, with your listeners this morning. Uh, I'm here because next Next Friday, we're going to have an incredible pitch competition where a number of agents, which these five individuals here are a part of that cohort, uh, will be pitching for a total of $20,000 in a cash prize. Um, And so these... Agents of Change are a part of an incubator cohort that's being run by the Climate Ventures uh, location incubator that's out of CSI Spadina. Uh, It's a really wonderful program where these cohorts are actively working to reduce uh, greenhouse gas and create solutions that are doing remarkable things and accessible, and particularly the individuals who are with us today are creating accessible solutions for hopefully each of your listeners to onboard and adopt in their living. Amazing.
1: Uh, so for those of you who may not know uh, that we are n- that's the CSI is not the crime show. It is in <laughs> fact the Center for Social Innovation. Thank you. Then um, you know we we could be a, we you know we could do investigative research uh, instead. Uh, we help organizations uh, do other work. So um, moving on from that, uh, yes, we have two ventures to start off here, um, and I think it's interesting that as Kelly sort of mentioned, uh, sorry, as well, I'm going I'm going to Kelly in half a second. Um, but as Katie mentioned earlier in the show, um, when you look at the ways that we as society uh, have our carbon impact, um, two of the biggest ones, especially in the city of Toronto, are transportation uh, and waste. Um, and, and so the, the two ventures we have here, which is Kelly Bray from Point A uh, and, and Ben Walters uh, from uh, Feedback, uh, both are working on things that are sort of in two of those areas. So I'm just going to throw each of you just to, very quickly off the, off the top to both of you. Um, what does your organization do? Starting with you, Kelly.
6: Thanks, Stefan. Well, picture yourself on the DVP at 5 p.m. or the 401 at 8.30 in the morning. Nobody wants that, right? But on the other hand, what if it's pouring rain in March and you're in the suburbs? You get off the subway or the GO train and you're looking at a 20 minute walk or a 15 minute wait for a bus that's gonna drop you off eight minutes from where you're trying to go. That doesn't really seem like a better idea. At Point A, we believe in providing sustainable, realistic travel options for everybody. Not only does being stuck in traffic make you stressed out, makes you late for stuff, waste your time, on top of that, transportation accounts for a third of the GTHA's carbon emissions. We can make a huge impact for the climate if we just get people out of their cars. Mm. Working in sustainable transportation, we've seen that that last mile connection is really important and often overlooked or just lacking with the current system. We work with property managers to coordinate free shuttle service that brings people to and from the nearest major transit stop. And we give people the education and the encouragement that they need to actually try out that transit system. You can go from transit to shuttle to work seamlessly, no car required. So now, instead, imagine yourself getting off the subway or the train in March in the rain You get right on the shuttle and it drops you off right where you need to go. You're dry, you're on time, you didn't even need to find a parking spot. Now that is good, sustainable transportation.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much. Ben, what are you up to?
3: (laughs) So we always like to start with a story about how we we got started. And it started with my co-founder Josh. He walked into a pizzeria late one night looking to grab a slice of pizza and ended up walking out with three full pizzas that the owner was going to throw out. And we started talking about the fact that technology seemed to pose a possible solution to that specific problem. And so what we did is we built a mobile application that allowed restaurateurs to push out time and quantity specific promotions, essentially changing the price of food in real time in order to drive incremental traffic, help restaurateurs make some incremental dollars on food that otherwise was going to be wasted, and of course give customers the ability to buy food for less. And so today we're working with about 350 restaurants in the downtown Toronto core, um, and we give customers the ability to go onto our app, buy food from any of those 350 restaurants at specific time intervals, and of course specific menu items, save some money, and help reduce food waste. Great.
1: So there there are two different types of ways to get at uh, a a, one of the one of the more sticky uh, carbon emissions, I think, especially um, when you look at, you know, especially in in a world that we live in currently with with, within within the restaurant industry, you know, you always have to have everything available until you close, you're just not allowed to not have something on your menu. Uh, In the same way that with transportation, you know, the we have all these solutions, but then you do get to a point where you're like, but I I have to get to this, you know, this parking garage that is, you know, that is still a 10 minute way or 15 minute away from something. How do I,
3: how do I even do this? And I think the cool thing is that one of the misperceptions sometimes of acting sustainably is that you have to do it at an inconvenience or it's going to be more expensive or you're going to have to make some sort of sacrifice to make this decision. I always think of buying organic as an example. People always think, oh, I'm going to go buy organic, but I'm going to pay 3x what I'd pay for the normal strawberries from Mexico but what i think a lot of the this cohort of agents of change is doing is trying to build solutions that are actually convenient and sensible and add value to all pieces of the value chain to make acting sustainably dare i say easy
1: <laughs> right. yeah and, and and i think that that's question of of, of that's the, the first sort of first question actually i have to throw back to you kelly mm-hmm. um, is is ha- so i I'm into it. I, I, I want to do this. Uh, how does someone actually use Point A? Sort of how does how does sort of Point A get its you know? Am I uh, am I an individual who's looking for this, or am I a company that actually is trying to use your services to get uh, to get someone to come drive me there?
6: That's a great question. And you're a company, or you're actually often with the shuttle service a property manager. Oh, okay. So one of the biggest reasons why property managers come to us, and they do actually come to us, we don't have to necessarily go out and find people, is parking. Parking is a huge issue. And parking is an incredibly expensive issue. It costs between $15,000 and $50,000 per space to add parking in the GTHA. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge cost. So even when you amortize that over Several years, it's still cheaper to have a shuttle service and encourage people to take transit rather than to keep trying to add parking, especially because, you know, in the Toronto area, where are you finding extra land these days? You're not, (laughs) you know, you're building up or you're building down or you're just done building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's sort of that element. So. so this is what happens in, in that I am a person who wants to do it um, and, and the property manager sort of is like, oh, I need I need to get people here, really. I need to get a hundred, 200, 300 people to my space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have the sort of money. And I set up a system that, that people sort of come into um, or as or, or, you, you set up a, a specific drop point, How does that sort of where do I end up?
6: Yeah, so what we'll do we have we have two pilot routes that we've been running for a few years. Um, And basically our shuttles go from um, a subway station or it could be a go train stop or a bus stop, something like that. And they go to two to five different properties Mm. um, and drop people off. So usually it's people going to work, although we can also have people coming, you know, from large condos to transit to then get to work somewhere else. Mm. Um, Yeah. And it's basically the property managers pay for it or sometimes businesses on those properties kind of. Pay with them, but because we're coordinating with multiple properties, it's much cheaper and easier than everyone having their own shuttle service.
1: Right, and 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 this is something that I think is 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 huge within this moot question of how we start shifting cultures. Is is part of it is that we're just being very inefficient currently, and we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to shift back over to you, Ben, um, th- that sort of element of. I was given three pizzas. I probably like, like, you know, this cannot make sense for people to have three pizzas at the end of the night. Right. Um, it does sort of lead us to this question of, you know, um, what are we then? What are we then thinking about everything else? Right. And, and, and what we found is that I guess restaurants all over the place do have this problem.
3: Yeah, it's actually scarier than that. Second Harvest recently just updated a report on sort of food waste, and they found that over fifty percent of all food that we produce in Canada is thrown out at some point in the value chain. And of course, that's not just happening at the end of day of restaurants. That's they're actually a smaller culprit than some of the other players out there. Um, but food waste is a huge problem. Um, yeah. Probably Project Drawdown actually Highlighted food waste as the one of the most likely causes for us to actually reverse climate change, and so there's starting to be a lot of talk. But what we need to now do is again give customers solutions so that they can actually help solve this problem.
1: Yeah, and so just to jump in there briefly. How does that work? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a person. Uh, I I use I, I use apps on occasion. <laughs> um, uh, what do I? How do I? How do I get from from where I am now to getting a cheaper meal that is also reducing food waste?
3: Yeah, so the call to action is download feedback app. You open up feedback, you make an account, it takes a minute or so. And from there, you can scroll through any of our restaurant partners. Again, we've got about 350 in the downtown core. There's some amazing ones, Comfort and Kim and Freshie and Popeyes and some big names out there. And what they'll do is they'll post food on the app that is available only during specific time periods, and there'll only be limited inventory for certain menu items available. You'll pick what you feel like eating, you'll add it to your cart, you'll pay directly through the app, and then you'll show up to the restaurant in that designated time window, grab your food, and
1: enjoy so it's, it's, it's sorry, I'm gonna throw a Sarah in because uh didn't jump in.
0: Yeah, no, I just want I wanted to ask our panelists a question. i I hope I'm not treading on your toes there, Stefan. But so uh part of the uh, the apps in both in in these cases are all talking about creating, there's a need and you're making it easier for people. The way I see it, and I think you'd all agree, was that there's sort of another half to that, which is the psychological component, right? So when we're talking about rides, there's a certain cachet, there's a certain level of uh, self-importance with showing up in your own vehicle. And when it comes to food, you know, we've talked on this program a number of times, Uh, uh, Tim Nash loves to bring up the the potluck example, which is that Mm -hmm. if six people get invited to a potluck, everybody shows up with enough food for all six, yeah. <laughs> right? And so in the, uh, there's just a couple quick examples in both cases, but j- ignore the examples if you'd like, but I'd just like each of you to comment on that other aspect.
6: That's a great question. Um, and definitely kind of the cultural attitudes and, you know, the visions that people have of themselves and how they do things are very important when you're talking about changing behavior, which is actually, actually what we're trying to do. We're trying to change what people are doing to be more sustainable and also often to have other good effects at the same time. So part of what we do with the shuttles is that we don't just coordinate the service, we do an annual celebration campaign with our shuttle riders to make them feel good about riding the shuttle, we provide our property managers with communications to tell people about the shuttle, get them excited about it, and we do customer service Surveys every year. So what we're doing is we're ensuring that we're providing a very high level of service, and at the same time, helping to get people excited about it, helping people to imagine themselves doing it. Because you really need to be able to imagine yourself doing it before you can actually say, "Okay, I'll try it out."
1: Yeah, and that that you're you're building a community sort of around that experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and a community. And it was interesting about both these examples is is it does it's one it's something that like everyone understands, right, you know, people understand buying food from apps, people understand taking shuttles, right, like these are things, but it's a, it's a sort of a, a transition that sort of is like, yes, it's this, it's this thing, it's not as easy as, as you remember, but also there's these added benefits. Um, and so we have about five minutes left, and I want to make sure that we get a chance for both of you to sort of talk about how, uh, to where we can find you, and I'll get to there in one second, but I want to give you a chance, Ben, to sort of talk about how you see feedback sort of changing the culture around food.
3: Yeah. So that's the challenge that we're working working against every single day is changing that consumer behavior that you were talking about and letting people be okay with not having all of the choices at their fingertips, which to be honest, we don't have the answer for right now. How do you change the really society's belief that they need to be able to have whatever they want when they want it. And so one of the things that we did to address this, and I don't know if this is even the best way to do it, is we said, okay, well, why don't we partner with charity partners and say, hey, Second Harvest, we'll work with you and introduce you to some of our restaurant partners. And if we can't help sell this food, and if the restaurant understands the implications of making too much, and they still don't have a solution for it, at the very least, let's make sure that food gets to someone who does need it. And we all know that there's plenty of people out there who need more healthy, accessible food. And so what we did to sort of solve that problem is we realized that restaurants see this as a business, and you can either go in and make a really strong business case from an ROI standpoint of why it doesn't make sense. But if that doesn't resonate, you're going to have to find ways to just repurpose the food that they're going to create anyways. And so we found the best way to do that is option A, let's help you sell it to Individuals like ourselves. And option B is let's make sure that we can le- we can at least get that food to local charities and food banks who can help feed people who really need it.
1: Yeah, and in any way, at least someone's eating it, right? Right. Which is the sort of which is a part of the goal. And, and this sort of this question of really how do we you know how we change culture is is something that I think you know society has been trying to figure out forever. Um, yeah, five and, minutes and, isn't
3: enough. Well, five <laughs> minutes not enough. Yeah,
1: five <laughs> minutes not enough. And neither is another is a lifetime, right? right? Like you know like you know we've uh, it, it spent how long did we spend getting to the stage? We are now where the concept was we should have everything all the time right. like you know that was certainly not the, the thinking uh, you know even two generations ago and so we, you, it's it, it's it's this sort of shift almost back to a thought of like no let's understand ourselves as part of an ecosystem not you know not just consumers but part of us but citizens or, or, or any other word you mean for me like parts of this world really totally um, but to sort of to give us a chance to, to, to we have one last question which is really how can people uh, connect with Uh, with your organizations how can people uh, help you uh, keep doing the work you're doing I'll start with you Kelly
6: well uh, you can go to pointa.ca our website tells you all about our shuttle program the other programs that we run how to get in touch with us
3: Amazing. Thank you so much. And Ben? Yeah, for us, feedbackapp.ca. We've got an Instagram page. I don't know what our handle is. Handle the right word. I'm not even sure. I'm not a social media guy. Sorry. Um, but you can definitely find us out there if you search for feedback app. We're exclusively in Toronto right now, so probably putting Toronto in there will help. Um, and yeah, share share the word. Download the app. Amazing. And uh, so I'm going to throw back to you, Peggy, to,
1: to finish this off, which is um, we are there's there, all of these wonderful folks are are participating in a in a great event uh, i believe next friday uh, and since uh, you are sort of be you'll be sort of leaving as we get in the last three i want to give you a chance to sort of say what that's all about and how people get in connect to that as well
5: thank you so much for that yeah absolutely um, we are running an incredible event next friday it is the agents of change pitch competition night it's going to be run out of the CSI center for social innovation annex location um, at 720 Bathurst. and it's run by uh, the Climate Ventures Organization. It's going to be a wonderful evening where every every cohort member who wants to pitch will be sharing about the work that they're doing, about what their their GHG solutions are, and, and they're going to be there in person. Come talk to them. Learn about what they're doing and join in this incredible, courageous conversation that we actually need to engage in actively. Uh, it means it's one thing to... Yeah, listen to it, but it's another thing to directly engage with the people who are actively providing these solutions. Uh, they need people to onboard them. And so we are, all of us, building greater community. So come join an event next Friday at a part of this larger community. Amazing.
1: Thank you so much. Uh throwing over to Saren to, uh, to throw me of break.
0: So, Stefan, we might have to add to your rule. Things need to cost more, and you can't have literally everything. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, Ben, I got your back. It's feedback underscore app for folks there. Uh, Instagram slash feedback underscore app. Great website. I can talk to you about that afterwards. Uh, So we're going to do now. uh, I called out for Canadian bands. Ben was uh, highly motivated and yelled out, too. So these are both Ben picks. Uh, Here's your second one. I chose 100th Meridian. He chose Tragically Hip. Here we go.
1: The green majority is entirely listener-supported. Our goal to reach minimum solvency is to raise $300 a month.
4: If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com for as little as $1.
1: And welcome back to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or one of our wonderful radio syndicates, Uh, or perhaps, again, on the podcast, which you can find at greenmajority.ca, which is also where you can find all of the links to all of these ventures uh, if you want to support them and learn more. uh, That's how you can do that. Uh, so, I' am back in studio with three more great people and organizations. I think this may be a record for one of the most people we 've ever had on a single show, especially at least especially in person. So uh, thank you so much for thank you all so much for coming in um, and so we currently now have uh, three more organizations i'm just going to throw to you to sort of just do your pitches and then to get this all started so Dihan uh, you're up first. Uh, what are you all about
4: Hi Stefan so Um, My name is Dihan, I'm from the Spent Goods Company. So we work with industrial byproducts to transform that into value. So we actually started with the uh, craft brewing industry and we work with spent grains. What spent grains are, are simply the barley used to make beer. Uh, Normally that ends up in landfill or as animal feed. So what we do is we actually recover the barley grains, add organic wheat to it, and we make a delicious sourdough bread by working with uh, local bakers like uh, the Drake Commissary. And now these products are now sold in stores like Viesta Farms, Karma Co op, and probably the closest location to the here mm-hmm. is uh, the CSI Spadina location. Uh, so, primarily, we are somebody who um, works to, instead of allowing food waste to end up in landfill, we transform that and makes food with it.
1: Amazing! All right, so pretty. Uh, I love I love the the, the straightforward adventures. <laughs> this is like, what do we do? We make food out of out of beer. All right, great. <laughs> this is like, mm-hmm. uh, and while also reducing all the food waste. Uh, good We combi- good combination obviously with feedback. Uh, but Zoe, uh, you're up next. What do you guys
7: do? Great. Um, So we all know that the fashion industry is very bad for the environment. I don't think that's news to anybody. Um, But as consumers, what we're finding is that even with all these options we have, we're not really happy with all the options that we have with this vicious cycle of overconduct. Overproduction, overconsumption—we're overwhelmed by all the choices that we have, and you know, getting dressed becomes this complicated process of searching and decision making. And you know, if you're trying to balance between cost, style, um, you know, quality, and the environmental impact of your clothing, that's very time-consuming and it, it costs a lot of money. So we want to provide a simple solution to to getting dressed. Um, you know, we want to provide access to high-quality, sustainably made clothing uh, at, a res- uh, at a reasonable cost where it, the average person can, uh, can, can afford. And um, you know, we want to provide a community for like-minded people um, to, to share the resources that they already have and to grow as a community. And all that is supported by our um, online platform, FreshFashionLibrary.com.
8: Amazing. Uh, and uh, Peter, uh, what do you got? Sure. So, thanks for having us all on the show today. Unwrap It is an online platform for giving gifts in a totally new and different way. So what I recognized in creating this platform is that for a lot of people, the rituals around gift giving, that is putting a physical thing in a box, wrapping it with wrapping paper, and getting it to the gift recipient on time is both administratively burdensome and takes time. And I've often left all of my gift giving to the very last minute. And there's something about it that feels wasteful. It's not, it's not sort of aligned to values. And with people actually saying that they far prefer experiential gifts to physical gifts, I've set out to create a platform that allows people to wrap any kind of experience gift or non-material gift in a new and meaningful way.
1: Amazing. Okay, so to to recap, in case uh, in case we missed that, uh, we have uh, Dehan Chandra from Spend Goods Company, uh, Zoe Wen from Fresh and Fresh uh, Fashion Library, and Peter Deeds from Unwrap It. Um, and so. Uh, with the three of you, I find I was I, I pre- preface this briefly before the or during the break, in which I was going to make a joke about 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 Valentine's Day, uh, which yesterday I believe I called uh, consumption. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I called it uh, capitalism is awful day or something like that. <laughs> uh, as a, as, a, as a part joke, uh, I'm uh, I'm a romantic at heart, uh, but obviously the, the the way we've way the I'm not really stoked about how that has transformed, I guess into uh, into a level of consumption requirement on 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 these types of issues, and. So, so uh, what I love about this is that these are sort of three completely, you know, in some ways you almost could, cr- could craft a, a, a culture around around the ability to get you know food without food that's from that would have been waste, wasted without it, you know, clothing that you're able to experience and, 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 and be with and then um, and then and then not have it you know and then have someone else use it again uh, and then the ability to give that these these gifts without having to sort of waste all these other papers and stuff like that and it, and to me it sort of it gives a I find it most helpful when I'm thinking about changing cultures to imagine what the different cultures sort of look like, right? Like in, in this idea that you can sort of imagine yourself getting this bread, you know, renting fashion and then and then giving gifts that are that are non-physical, even if they're things like, you know, a, a fresh fashion library, um, a gift card or a gift card, like a membership. Is is to me a way I can actually start being like, oh, there is a future that's sustainable. I, I actually see that see that vision, um, and so I, I, I kind of want to go to to Dihan first and then go go th- straight through again uh, around this concept of how do you see yourself th- the if the culture that is changing. How do you sort of see yourself changing that culture? What is your what is your impetus, and then also how does your your piece sort of feed into that?
4: So. So we're starting, I guess, with one uh, with one loaf at a time. Yeah. Um, with the sourdough bread and the different kinds of breads that we have, um, it, what you can, by using these products, they actually directly reduce climate changes because we're diverting the grains away from landfill. Um, but we see this not only limited to the spent grains realm, we can take surplus bread and make a beer from that. Henderson Brewery, uh, last November, made a beer from the surplus bread from the Drake uh, and called it a sourdough IPA. So not only can we, you could have bread that actually um, helps reduce climate change, but also you can have beer that actually reduces climate change. Now you really have me sold. (laughs) So I think overall in terms of culture change, um, I think that's our biggest statement here. We can actually provide foods that are delicious. It stands up against any artisanal, uh, bakers are all made by local bakers here and producers of beer here and uh, you have that ability to have an impact on climate change directly by just consuming these products.
1: Amazing. And uh, same question to you, Zoe. How do you sort of see yourself feeding into this sort of culture shift?
7: Totally. Um, So I think, uh, you know, of course, the fashion industry is a huge problem. And um, there are many, many players in the field that are collectively making uh, this change happen. you know, we work with um, not-for-profit organizations uh, who are trying to make clothing more accessible to those uh, in need through partnerships. Um, We partner with designers uh, who are making things sustainably um, or who are leading the charge in changing the industry practices um, to, to, to really empower and enable women to make, um, you know, sustainable fashion choices and hopefully not just limited to women one day, that it's, it's to, to everybody, right? And, you know, what we really envision is that there is a fashion library in every neighborhood and street corner. Because if we don't produce any more new clothing in the world, we are actually good for a very long time. So, you know, if you can just go into your local, you know, fashion library to whether you're looking to access clothing or you're trying to get rid of uh, clothing, that's your one-stop shop. And that's, you know, the only place that you need to go and worry about. And um, and really, fashion becomes or access becomes the new ownership. Like, I think that's the really the culture shift that we're uh, aiming for.
1: Yeah, and I love that uh, the piece of, 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 of we t- we have enough clothes. We just have to repurpose, like you know. Let's just repair the clothes we have, and maybe we'll be fine. You know, the number of things I've had I've thro- I've had to thrown out because I got a, I, you know, a small a small rip in the seam or something, and I and it's like it costs more to buy a new one than to just fix it. And it's like I want, but I want to fix it. <laughs> um, and so again, same question to you, Peter. How do you mm-hmm. sort of see this uh, see you know, unwrap it, sort of feeding into this larger culture shift.
8: Sure. I guess in my intro, I didn't really link gift giving to climate change. Right. Uh, so I'll take a step back. Um, we, we found that in, in research, 33 million trees are cut down to create one holiday season's worth of wrapping paper. Wow. So right there, if we enable people to wrap gifts differently, that's 33 million trees a year still in the ground. And then the manufacturing and production of physical gifts... Is itself enormously taxing on the planet and the environment. Uh, to the tune of one in ten dollars spent um, on goods and services is a gift. Wow! So as we shift the culture towards non-material gift giving, we're contributing directly to creating an, a zero waste culture.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's the that's what I find so fascinating about this 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 sort of sh- the ability to do the show is that. It is, it some way, I think, speaks to this, the the level of which the idea that we don't actually have, that there's no future without the current future. The current future is the only way possible. You know, you get these, get these things like, I remember at one point, Sarah and I had a, had a video a while back about how Shell had basically come out with this report that was like, by 2050, we will have the same amount of oil consumption as we do today. And I I was like, that's basically saying we're all doomed. Like you're saying that is a good thing because your investors think we keep buying it. But like, that is a terrifying sentence. And so to sort of create this opportunity of of a future that that has these changes, you actually can start envisioning it. Um, and so I think that leads me to my to my last question, which I was hoping to get in the last section, but I'm getting it here, which I'm very happy about. Which is, so we win, uh, or, or or your organization succeeds. Um, you know, you're the you're the next Loblaws, or the next H and M, or the next Google, um, and and you're, you're you're the you're the big guys, and now people are sort of you know, what does that world look like? How does that how does that sort of shift uh, shift this culture that we're in? Uh, and we'll start with you, Dihon, again.
4: Okay, so in the grand scheme of things, um, we see ourselves as being a central hub in which where we can receive different sort of what I call spent goods, whether it's spent grains, it could be used coffee grinds, it could be the carrot peels from a juicery. Uh, we can receive all these for a fee and then transform it into value. So for example, with the carrot peels, we could take that and make carrot muffins with it. Um and so we sort of see ourselves as this ability to transform it into value, and, and we're promoting greener and a circular economy locally. And what I like about it is just we have the ability within Toronto to reimagine Toronto as in, I mean all our businesses to combine with, can become part of a newer system in which we're actually reusing resources before just and moving away from a very throwaway culture.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good catch on on the first time you mentioned circular economy within this this context. But I think that to is, to me is a very obvious uh, important connection to all of these things. Of, of we have to deal with stuff when we throw away them still. So where does that go? It you know comes back into the beginning. Um, and I think it speaks also to you to your your conversation Zoe about sort of being a um, about being switching from access into ownership. Uh, and so what is your future like?
7: Um, so one of the coolest things that we did uh, during the Agent of Change program is setting up a pilot for a physical clothing library at CSA Spadina. And we learned a lot, but it raised us so many more questions, and we want to learn more about you know, the, uh, clothing libraries and what it takes for it to thrive in, in different neighborhoods. So what we really want to do with the prize money is, is to be able to um, expand our pilot programs in different areas of the city, working with different organizations and communities, um, to really build a set of tools, um, knowledge processes, that's going to enable anyone to be able to open up their own, you know, sharing library in their local neighborhood. And so we really want to be the enabler to make that happen for not just the city, but also, you know, worldwide.
1: Yeah, there's actually, interesting enough, there's the Toronto Tool Library is actually currently working with the city of Toronto to open up the first city-funded sharing depot, uh, which is sort of the, so we're getting somewhere, we're doing
8: something. Um, But uh, Peter, what's your future? Um, so the, what I envision, by the way, Toronto Tool Library is a partner of Unwrap It. So today you can go purchase Toronto Tool Library membership as a gift and wrap it with Unwrap It. There yeah. go. Uh, same with Cycle Toronto and um, Wellcome in-home massage. Um, so the future that I'm envisioning is not a, a future with reduced waste. It's actually a future with like a creativity surplus. So the funnest thing about Unwrap It, what I'm most passionate about is that In creating new ways to wrap gifts, say multiple choice questions, geolocation challenge, true-false, photos, uh, charitable donations, you can actually create a narrative and a structure that expresses who you are more more deeply. And if more people are spending time in that creative process than being in a mall buying a thing that they feel compelled to buy and wrap it with wrapping paper, we're better off as a society.
1: Amazing. So we're coming up to, we have about three minutes left before we start doing the close. So I want to give you a chance to sort of uh, the sort of classic last question we always ask in the show, which is how can people get, uh, can find out more about your organization or, or get engaged? Again, starting with do Han.
4: So uh, the best way is through social media. We're on all of them as, as Spent Goods. Um, and also, if you check out our website, spentgoods.ca, uh, uh, slash retail, that lists some of the retail locations. We've only started since September, so but we're growing, and we're looking for new partners to work with. Amazing. Thanks so much. Zoe?
7: Uh, for us, it's freshfashionlibrary.com or on Instagram at Fresh Fashion Library. Also come to the pitch competition next uh, Friday. Yeah.
8: Unwrap, it's available at unwrap.com, no download required. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at Unwrap It underscore
1: amazing thank you so much and I
0: sort of want to we got to. yeah you want to jump in here Saren? well I just I was hoping to get a minute at the end here and it's best that it is at the end because it's the sort of mic drop thing that it's hard to follow so <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want any of our guests to have to comment after this uh, so can I jump in then before I throw to you for oh yeah like that? do that then. great um,
1: <laughs> I, I just want to I just want to say that uh, while you heard we're, we're five uh, well six ventures five of them from uh, on this pitch net coming up uh, there are there are many more there are there are more solutions like this and there are more people doing this amazing work uh, and to find out more about them, you go know, to climateadventures.org, um, and on and, and and emailing any of these people will get you into this entire world of people who are building the next future. Uh, and I think that to me is what's so exciting about having these kind of conversations is that once you start learning about these different pieces, you start met, you start learning about other organizations that are doing things, and you can begin to truly actually imagine uh, a, a sustainable
0: future. And it's, that's what I love about it so much. Now that I've said that, Stan. What do you <laughs> no, that's good. It, it's really better that you wrapped up first. Uh, <laughs> so as I was listening here today, I jumped. A couple times, but I was largely just listening, and and I didn't interject as much as I normally would because we have so many guests and, and whatever. I, I'm here all the time. But the the side show that we will that we'll do another time is the listener at home is particularly it caught my attention during the fashion uh, example. But all of our guests today, you might have thought to yourself, it may have come to your head for you like it did for me. when during the fashion example, but all the guests today, you might be thinking. Well, if we put the fashion industry out of business, how's capitalism supposed to function? <laughs> You're on to something. Keep with that. There is a problem, and you just figured out what it is. Um, all right, so I think that's all the time we have for uh, today, this week. Uh, I am i have been I have a special project I've been waiting to talk about, but it's not in a rush, so that may come next week. It may come the following week. We have lots of great content, but please do go and check out our guest today. All that information will be on the website at greenmajority.ca, and I think that's it. Seven? Uh, huge shout-out again
1: to everyone Everyone who's at Power Shift and the activists who make all this work—a uh, the, the activists who make a world where everyone in this room seems like a, 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 seems like a like a, a another solution uh, to the problems that they're highlighting. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think we can throw it to the end of the show. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great Green Week. This has been the Green Majority on C A U T eighty nine point
4: five
1: F M.